What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. It's Chrisomania, brother. That's a great question. Look at you, man, with the powerful questions. <laughs> Woo! This is the Chris Van Vliet Show. Chris Van Vliet Show. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Van Vliet! All right, my friends. Are you ready for something truly Incredible. Oh, you know. You clicked on this. You know. You know this is just incredible. Uh, thank you for being part of this audio adventure. And uh, and thank you. Thank you for putting the show into the top 200 list on Apple Podcasts last week. That is. That's incredible. See what I did there? That's incredible to think about. It's amazing to think about. And it was such a nice surprise. So uh, thank you for being part of this uh, and helping to spread the word to everyone and uh, and let them know that, yes, I do, in fact, have a podcast because I understand that not everyone has 45 minutes or an hour or two hours like the Austin Aries interview to sit down and watch and pay attention to a YouTube video. You'd rather just listen to it. I hear you. Literally, I hear you. Uh, I'm with you on this. Uh, Get it? Hear you? Because it's a podcast. Um, But it means so much to me. Uh, that more and more of you are part of this, uh, whether it's on the podcast or the YouTube channel. People ask me all the time, what, what would be better for you, Chris, if I listened to the show on your podcast or if I watched it on YouTube? And, and the honest to God answer is, it doesn't matter to me um, if you're just part of this and in one way or the other, whether you're watching it or listening to it, whatever you're happening to do, however you do it, it's just great that you're part of this with me. So thank you for sharing in these conversations. Um, Please take a screenshot. Let me know that uh, you're listening to this. Tag me in it. I'd be happy to retweet you or share your Instagram story. I'm at Chris Van Vliet. And if you happen to be listening on Apple Podcasts, please take a second to leave a review. That helps the show grow more than anything. And I'm happy to read it here. Like, uh, Like this one from Blaze Mob, who says the goat of podcasts, Chris Van Vliet. So he wrote it out like that, like lots of I's and lots of L's and E's. Um, (laughs) Thanks for the great interviews, bro. So glad I can listen to this at work now that it's in podcast form. Thanks, Chris Van Vliet. So many S's and A's and E's in that one. Um, Well, thank you, Blades Mob. And this is exactly what I was talking about. The fact that you can listen to this at work uh, when you're in the car commuting, driving to work, or whether you're on the treadmill. I listen to my podcast most of the time. Not my podcast. I listen to the podcast that I listen to uh, when I'm at the gym. I actually don't really listen to my podcast. Just kind of like appreciate the moment as it happens. Appreciate the interview and the conversation and then let it live on as it's living on right now. Also, thank you to Samson for providing us with the audio equipment to make the show sound great. Uh, You don't have to spend a ton of money if you're looking to get into podcasting or YouTubing. That's a verb, right? YouTubing? Sure. Uh, My mics are just $89, and they sound great. They're super portable, and they're awesome. You can check out the full lineup at samsontech.com if you're looking to get into this. Now, 
Justin Credible's work rate in ECW is like really second to none. And when I was just starting to get into ECW, it was him and Mike Awesome that were the champions at the time. So we're talking like the end of 99 and into 2000 here. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I still watched a lot of wrestling before that, but I was mainly like into WWF, a little bit of WCW during the commercial breaks. And then I randomly one night stumbled upon ECW on a Friday night on TNN. Remember, remember when Spike TV was called TNN, the Nashville network? Uh, and it was so hard to not fall in love with ECW and everything that it stood for. I mean, ECW took the Attitude Era that WWF was doing and turned it up to 11. And they were doing stuff that the WWF would never think of doing. And it was amazing. Uh, and you'll hear the story here. I loved Just Incredible so much that I bought a Got Blood shirt. I had it shipped to me in Canada. Uh, I left out the part of the story when I told him that the shirt was too big and looked kind of stupid on me when I wore it. But I wore it nonetheless because it was awesome. Uh, and so is he. And I love how open he is here when he speaks about his struggles with addiction. And, uh, and while I'm sure his move to WWE after his super successful run in ECW was like really frustrating with how underused he was, he could be super angry about it. But he speaks about it with this immense amount of gratitude. And uh, I really loved hearing that from him. You can just tell. You can tell how much he loves the business. Uh, I really enjoyed this. I know you will too. It's not just the coolest. It's not just the best. That, my friends, is just incredible. Friend, you know this interview is going to be incredible, right? I certainly hope so. How you doing, man? <laughs> I'm doing great. It's a great. pleasure to be here, man. Oh, no. I'm so happy that we were able to make this work. Yeah, me too. Me and too. Um, yeah, it means a lot to me because uh, in the year 2000, yeah. 17-year-old Chris Van Vliet, living in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, ordered a Got Blood shirt That's great. online. I cut off the sleeves so I could wear it just like you. That's great. That's hilarious. <laughs> and you know, the story behind that was um, I didn't make the, the shirt up. I literally, at the time, I was just searching for something for a gimmick. And I literally was uh, shopping at Hot Topics. And I just thought, got blood, blood, ECW, seems kind of cool. Got milk was the hot the, the thing. thing yeah. yeah. So I was like, okay. And uh, it became, a, it caught on. Oh, know? it caught on. And uh, yeah, here we are. <laughs> yeah. So we're at, uh, we're at WrestleCade right now yeah, in North yeah, Carolina. You yeah. do a lot of conventions? Uh, I do, yeah. I, I try to stay busy as much as I can. And uh, we do a lot in New York. Uh, I was just at a... The old ECW arena uh, did one over there uh, for uh, Tommy Dreamer's House of Hardcore. Oh, wow. Uh, so, yeah, I, you know, staying busy, man. And you're still working. Like, you're yeah, still wrestling. Yeah, I'm still wrestling. Uh, I'm not in the best of shape, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm working on that. Uh, 46 years young and uh, 27 years in the game. Yeah, it's crazy. You know? So, uh, yeah, I'm just trying to... Uh, I, I'm, I'm just so passionate. I really, sincerely, Chris, I, I love this business. And there's nothing that makes me feel better than... Getting, you know, even though my style may have changed and I've slowed down physically, of course, all the years, mm -hmm. uh, there's nothing like being able to entertain an audience, sure. whether it's 200 or 2,000 or 20,000. Sure. Yeah. Um, and to me, that's something that, uh, you know, it's like a drug. Uh, you, you love it. It's what you do. Like yeah. actors act. Sure. You know, and uh, I'm just blessed to be able to have any kind of platform, uh, you know, to, to do what I do just... For example, just to, to be on your show is, is awesome. Well, so, you have your own show. You yeah, know? I mean, yeah. Uh, I, do a, I do a podcast uh, called Talking Elite, 
with Vince Russo, and uh, I also have my own little, small little individual podcast called I Hate This Podcast. So, uh, you know, yeah, well, I hate this town I used to wear. Right. So it's just a little, uh, you know, uh, play on that. But, uh, yeah, I just try to stay as engaged uh, in the product. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to be one of those old timers that says, get off my lawn. I want to adapt <laughs> to what the business is changing into and, and try to stay fresh. You know, uh, hanging around kids, well, kids, younger men and women in this business uh, and their ideas keep you young. Yeah, you know, like uh, Razor Ramon. When I started hanging around with him, he's like, "I always pick up the, I always pick up the young boys because they make me feel young." And you know, whether it's music, sure. uh, pop culture, and you know, he just opens up your head to different ideas and different ways of doing things you may not have seen in your old ways. So people that might not have tuned in yet to Talking Elite, people are going to think it's you know all elite wrestling. Yeah. And is that the only thing you're talking about? Uh, that's uh, for this particular podcast with Vince Russo. It is uh, what we do is we watch AEW Dynamite on Wednesday nights, and uh, you know we wait one day for the ratings to come out, and then on Friday uh, we go live on Twitch and uh, Patreon mm-hmm. and just review the show. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting because Vince Russo, obviously Attitude Era writer, uh, very successful, but also very controversial. Sure. You know he had very vi- very high ups and very big downs. You know people say a lot of things you know what I mean very opinionated and yeah. uh, you know and he, he admits himself he's made a lot of uh, bold moves some hit some didn't right but uh, he's the writer uh, of the podcast and I'm the wrestler mm. so uh, mm. he gives his opinion on the writing aspect and I just give the professional wrestling side of what you know a veteran would say you know and we just review the show and give it an honest yeah you know fun time you know since you since you used to say i hate this town and scu's gimmick they, is they do, yes. worst town ever yes or worst town i've ever been in how do you feel about that uh at first i i see i i'm so not vain or i try not to be i didn't i didn't connect and then i'm like wait a minute didn't i do that like a long time ago and i've known christopher daniels since I, we were both kids, like I've known him since I was 21, 22 years old, uh, when we were all doing jobs in the WWF in the 90s. Right. So I've known Christopher for a very long time, but uh, I, I just think they came up with that themselves. I don't think it was uh, it was anything. Uh, but it's just it's funny how what old what, what was old is new again. And, yeah. You know, it's it's usually the same spin. You're just trying to get uh, a response from whatever crowd you go sure. to. I, it's just easy. Cheap heat, as uh, Mick Foley would say. That's definitely <laughs> You know it. what I mean? This resurgence for you in the ring, do you think that's something that you owed to yourself, or is that something you think you owed to the fans? That's a great question. Um, not to the fans. To myself. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a deep question because I've always felt like, uh, I was talking about this with Shane Douglas, uh, it, a lot of guys like, uh, and I have no heat with any of them, but like the Hulk Hogan's, the Undertakers, and uh, many others uh, stayed around so long, mm-hmm. and God bless them. Um, there was that generation got, got skipped, for example. You know, guys like us that were, you know, when we're supposed to be coming up in like the 2005s, that, that was like the veterans, that was our veteran yeah, yeah. time. They were still on top. So we kind of just went away and got wiped under the rug, and then this new generation. So for me, I owe it to myself. Mm. I've made a lot of mistakes in my life uh, through drug addiction and, uh, you know, stuff like that, which really took a toll on my career in many ways. And I've had many opportunities. I was under contract with the WWE three separate times. Mm -hmm. Uh, Twice I got let go, once I quit. Um, But for me, I have something to prove to me, not to my family. They're 
everybody's we're all good and the fans respect and love me and I'm grateful but to me I would just like to close it on my terms because I do love it so deeply and I, I feel so much passion for it I would just like to do it right yeah. for me as a performer and as an individual do you have an end goal with an how much game? longer you'd like to do it for or a certain match you know, you'd like to end on not really I honestly I'm 46 years old years old I don't see myself being able to go much longer than maybe 48, 50. And I'm, I'm not talking full-time. I'm talking sporadic. Sure. Like right now, I work once a week. I wrestle once a week. That's, that's you know, pretty solid. But, you know, it's, but it's, not, uh, it's not of the magnitude of an AEW or a WWE, the physicality. You come out with a cane. Well, you know, I... Yeah. I I, I, I don't write, mean a cane, like, I mean a Singapore, Singapore cane. Singapore, yes. but I, I do right Pull now that uh, when you're on the indie scene. <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm playing the retro gimmick, yeah. and it's all fun and games. A lot of ECW chants. And it's it's very easy and laid back, and, and I do work. Like, uh, last night I worked in uh, Dunbar, uh, West Virginia. I bled. I see that. And uh, in front of 200 people. Not because anybody told me to, because I felt I owed it to the fans uh, that paid their hard-earned money. And I figured, well, I might not necessarily be able to give them the match that Just Incredible could have 20 years ago, but I'll at least give them a sense of hardcore that they may have remembered hmm. uh, from me back. I just want to send everybody home. I'm so grateful that they're coming out to see me and paying respect. I want to give them that back in any way possible. Um, so, yeah, I always try to, and I don't do this every night, don't get me wrong. Okay, you're not blading every not time. A, no, no, not, not even close. My wife would kill me. But uh, <laughs> no, what I mean by that is, though, I want to give them something. I want, I want the fans to go home saying, and last night I saw that in the kids' eyes, like, wow, you know, I saw a lot of stuff tonight. Saw a lot of young kids flying around, but, you know, I was one of the only guys at the merch table afterwards still selling my ribs. Mm. And, you know, a little blood drip down my face, and they're like, wow. Like, they know it's not real, yeah. but it's still that, well, I don't know, that... It looks kind of, I don't know, it looks hurt to me. Yeah. And, I, and to me, playing that role... Is fascinating, and, yeah. and that's part of the business that I think is lost. You know, Terry Funk always taught me. Um, he would sometimes work the boys. He would limp around backstage, and he would work the guys. Mm. And when he went through that, well, uh, Mikey Whipwreck used to call him Yoda. And the reason he called him Yoda was Yoda would limp around in Star Wars, and then when it was time to have the lightsaber duel, he yeah, would yeah. zip around. Right. Boy, when t Terry Funk went through that curtain, he would just be Terry Funk sure and I just want to I want the fans to always remember I gave them what I could yeah you know and and never ripped them off and gave my best whether hey if I'm a little overweight if maybe I don't have the wind I used to at this moment I'll still give you something yeah so you know and I'm working on the the physicality <laughs> piece to it so I mean are you looking to drop some pounds oh yeah no I, I've been talking to Dallas Page for a while now and uh, I'm on the DDP yoga program I'm on the diet uh, but uh, my biggest problem is consistency, quite frankly, because my life has been really hectic. Uh, a, traveling, and B, uh, you know, just life. My wife has, a, you know, she, she's a nurse's aide, so she's her hours are different. I have a 12-year-old disabled boy that I have to take care of, which is, you know, he's wonderful. But sometimes, you know, you make excuses for, well, I'm a little tired today. I'm sure. not going to, you know, and uh, I just got to do better, take more accountability and, you know, and get there, and I will. Uh, but... When you have a reason to as well, you know, um, you know, and I think I have more of a reason now than I've ever have. 
um, to get in shape. You know, you always, you know, it's like, you know, uh, for example, you want to get ready for beach season, you know, you, <laughs> right. you get a little cut up, you start, you know, hitting the gym, you know, you want to, and that's the same kind of thing. I think there's something in my future that is going to happen uh, in the business uh, that's going to give me that oh, wow. reason to, to work out and to get in in good shape. So there's something the fans should be looking for you doing soon. I think so. I, okay. I'm anticipating. There's okay. there's a couple things out there. Uh, you know, I don't want to get too specific, but in sure. the wrestling universe that I'm looking yeah. at. Uh, right. You know, and uh, yeah. It's interesting that you say that you mm. feel like your generation was kind of skipped over because I felt so bad. You know, you were ECW champion, then ECW, you know, went under and got bought up by WWE. You came in and you were like low to mid card. And yeah. I just felt so bad because you had so much potential. Well, what had, what had happened? It, it broke my heart too. And initially, um, w, it was the weirdest time in professional wrestling because, if you remember correctly, WCW was going under as well. Yes. And ECW as well. So now you've got a monopoly. Yeah. And everybody's jumping ship. Yeah, and they had the whole invasion and, angle. And then it's like, you, if you don't have a, 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 you know, if you're if you don't have a life raft, yeah, know, Titanic is sinking and you don't got a raft. I got. I was lucky enough to get one. I, I got a six-figure deal, and uh, initially they uh, teamed me with X-Pac, who is an old-time friend of mine, yeah. running buddy of mine, and we were a hell of a tag team. But then, right in the middle of what we were doing, the you know WCW got bought under, and yeah. then the invasion kind of. I went with the invasion side. They went with the Pac. Went with the, you know. Yes. And then it just got completely blurred because you had all these amazing. Think about it. You have every star in professional wrestling to compete with, and I'm competing for a spot. Yeah. So it really, you know, uh, being that we could have been a hell of a tag team, too. You're lucky you have a job, kid. <laughs> yeah. It was just bad. You know, wrong, wrong place, wrong time. It almost felt like WWE was going. Yeah, you're lucky you have a job, and like because of that, we're gonna kind of bury you. They can do whatever they want. Yeah. And and, and also what, what hurt me, because uh, one thing I learned in ECW was how to get over with the fans. Yeah. Um, but also, uh, I wore jean shorts in ECW. Well, Stone Cold. It was the, you know, still Stone Cold's era. <laughs> yeah. He wears jean shorts. Okay, my finish, I did both the tombstone and the super kick. Yeah. Well, the Undertaker <laughs> does the tombstone, Shawn Michael, so I can't do that either. Right. So whatever made Just Incredible, Just Incredible, and I, you know, the, the, all of it yeah. became, you can't do that. Because ECW allowed you to almost, you could parody the other company. We sure. were the anti-establishment, so a lot of it was an offshoot of what they were doing. And if they didn't want to play ball with the way my character was represented, and I know Vince McMahon never saw an ECW Just Incredible match, they they hired me on. Well, we know PJ, we know you know we hear he's doing good work. Well, you had been there before. Yeah, and that's that's the merit you get hired. Like sometimes uh, young men and women think you know, well Vince sees our stuff. He doesn't watch wrestling. He watches his product, but he's not. Mm. He, he you know, there's people that are telling you know. This kid's good. He's coming up. Blah blah blah. So, it was you know it's silly for me to assume that they know my character and right. uh, and all that was going on. I never had the chance to fully communicate to them like my needs as a performer, and it just kind of fell by the wayside. It really. happened to Mike Awesome. A lot of us. Yeah. It happened to Lance. You know, it happened. And Lance, yeah. uh, my former Impact player, you know, got the T-shirt. On. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, one of the best. You know. Yeah. One of the best ever, and. Uh, 
Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's kind of come full circle for Lance. He's yeah. now back with WWE, which is amazing. And, and honestly, for Lance, that's probably where he belongs mm. because um, I went through the heart camp in Calgary, Alberta, Canada in 1992. He had gone through in 1991. And originally, Keith Hart and Bruce Hart were supposed to be the trainers. Realistically, they were there once a week. Lance was there every day. Wow. So Lance Storm really was my trainer. Wow. You know, um, and he's so good at and patient with young men and women in the business. And he's with his Storm Wrestling Academy, which is now actually closed since he's going back to WWE. He's produced so many talented men and women yeah. uh, that are hugely successful. Yeah. That's his true calling. Yeah. And to be clear, he's going to be a match producer in yeah, WWE. Yep, yep, he's, he's not, you know, he's not signing with them. No, to no, wrestle. not as a performer, yeah. but, uh, but he was always, he's that good at communicating and having patience and developing talent and mm -hmm. teaching and grooming since day one. I mean, he's, he's a prodigy. So, uh, I think this is going to be his true calling. I'm, I'm so happy for him. He's one of the nicest guys in the world. Yeah. And you know, he's my brother, you know, when you look at the product now, do you see any shades of ECW there? In WWE? No, in, uh, in AEW. Yes, uh, but in a specific way. I see that they are, their style is different. And in some ways, I, I don't necessarily always like what they do. I feel sometimes it's, it's very much repetitive to me. I think they could do better uh, storytelling for me as a fan, just a fan. Um, but they have that that, that rebellious attitude mm. that uh, there's a spirit about AEW that is really, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's catching on, and especially with the millennials, with that 18 to 48 demographic that's so important. Um, so, yeah, I, I do see some similarities. The one thing that they don't have, and I'm not being critical, but uh, they need, there's, uh, there's the, we had Paul Heyman. And Paul was just a crazy, insane visionary. And he just threw a bunch of, and I'm not going to swear, but a bunch of, okay, S, well, a bunch of shit against the wall and sure. whatever stuck, stuck. Right. And I just think that they're finding their footing, their groove. But yeah, there are a, a lot of uh, things that are very similar and uh, they have a huge opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I, I want nothing but for AEW to succeed because AEW succeeds and they are succeeding and doing very well. Pro wrestling succeeds. Sure. And it's good for everyone. We all work more, and it's, it's more awareness to the business of professional wrestling and the product. And, and, and we all gain because if you noticed, competition with WWE, it, competition is healthy. Yes. It makes everyone better, you know? And, uh, you know, I, I, I do. I think, I think there's similarities. I think it's healthy, and it's exciting. I mean, like I said, I, I watch it more than once because I take notes and I have to review it. So, uh, you know, yeah. Hope you didn't I, say anything bad about me on there. Oh, dude, no, okay, absolutely good. not. No, I, you, I made a couple of appearances. Are you ribbing me? No, not at all. <laughs> you made a couple of appearances on there. No, so. not at all. Are you kidding me? No, but uh, I, I, I have really high hopes for it, and I honestly think uh, that they could do great things, and they have the talent there. MJF, he's, I, he's uh, out of Long Island, and uh, I'm friends with Kurt Hawkins, um, and yeah. again, I just did a couple shows with him from his wrestling school. Yeah. It was MJF's last indie show, and that kid's on fire. He's probably going to be one of the best heels in the next 10 years. Sure. You know, he's, he's really geared up for that. And he's a yeah. very bright, very talented individual. Yeah. I, I find it incredible that it's been almost 20 years since ECW, you know, know. went under. And fans are still chanting EC Dub. 
And they're not, they're not chanting TNA, which is still around. They're not chanting WCW. They're yeah. not chanting Wrestling Society X, yeah. Lucha, whatever. What is it about ECW that 20 years later, people are still you know, kind of clamoring for that? Um, it's not the violence. At first, like a lot of people think if they don't, you know, at first it was, it, it was a unique time in pro wrestling because WWF at the time, I was Aldo Montoya. They had the Mantar. They had the goon. They had horrible You gimmicks. had a jock strap on your face. Yeah, exactly. And, and, they had, and, and on the WCW side, and no disrespect, but they had the Dungeon of Doom, hokey stuff, uh, real cartoonish stuff. And what ECW did wasn't necessarily so groundbreaking. They just did what they did back in Texas in the late mm. 70s and the 80s. They just brought it back to... You know, we brought in guys like Terry Funk and and veterans uh, that could work that were in between and really brought back wrestling, which especially in the city of Philadelphia, uh, they were clamoring for just real good, hardcore professional wrestling, which I feel is what AEW is trying to do. They're the next phase of because everything evolves. Yeah. You know, ECW wouldn't work today uh, the way we did it, because really we were just, you know, what made us cool was Shane Douglas would get on the mic and bury Vince McMahon yeah. or bury Eric Bischoff. Yeah. And it's not about that today. It was just a unique time, but the, the spirit and the style. And, you know, when you hadn't seen blood and you hadn't seen barbed wire, and that was from Japan and all so much going on globally. And now I think with the Internet and social media and so much availability, it, it would be hard to replicate because we see so much. But I think the spirit is there. The work rate was, ECW, what extreme was, was work rate. I know it meant blood to a lot of people and, and stuff. And it was in the yeah. beginning, but it meant also to Jerry and Super Crazy. Mm. And working hard yeah. and 20, 30 minute matches. And, uh, you know, that's what it was. It, it ended up being something completely different that wouldn't, than what people kind of thought it was intended to be. And yeah. I think AEW, if done right, is headed in that well, direction. Well, Tony Khan's a, a very big ECW he was, fan. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I couldn't believe when I heard that. Oh, yeah. That is, that blows your mind, man. It's like, that's why to this day, when I meet a young man <laughs> or a young lady at a show, I treat him with respect because you never know. Sure. Seriously, you never yeah. know, man. They, they, you may influence these people. And so I'm, I always try to be kind and, and, and grateful to, to fans because someday they may end up being your boss <laughs> <laughs> coming from that extreme era coming yeah. from ecw what did you think of john moxley and kenny omega's lights out match even for, for me seeing what i've seen i even cringed a little bit mm, what was the most cringeworthy spots uh, not to give much away because I don't know any of the inner workings I know no I do not know the inner workings but the glass yeah some of the barbed wire stuff even to me I was like yeah. you know because I because I, I I I I had never done that stuff yeah even me yeah you know, I've done some barbed wire stuff with dreamer and and Sandman and so forth it worked with Terry Funk but not at that level so I thought it was uh it was I mean but at the same time it shows the passion and the giving and they're all in debt. John Moxley's been waiting 10 years to do that. Oh, yeah. He's been, you know, <laughs> and Omega is, is Kenny Omega, one of the best in the entire world. Yeah. So, uh, you know, yeah, it, but it was cringeworthy, man. I, I, I watched it uncomfortably. Not because it freaked me out. I was just like, guys, don't get, like, I don't want to see nobody hurt themselves you know what i mean like yeah, yeah. You know, god forbid we just had moxley on the show and he was showing me like scars on his hands yeah. like oh yeah that's that's from glass that's from barbed wire i'm yeah. like 
Dude. Yeah, I I, I, I may have run into him as when he was younger because uh, he's from Jersey and I'm, I lived in Jersey from the, that area. I don't think I've ever met him. Oh, I think he's from Cincinnati. Oh, is he? Yeah, originally? he's from Cincinnati. I don't. I think so. Maybe yeah. because of CZW. Yeah, I, I maybe there connection. it is. Yeah. Sorry, uh, but uh, I, I don't think I've ever met him. But uh, he's truly man. He's got he's got it. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, <laughs> and he could be he he could be the next thing. Well, he, he really could. He's in know? line for a title shot from the looks of things. Yeah. So and yeah. Jericho, brother. They're even me, and I've, you know, like I said, I came up. Jericho was a class behind me, mm-hmm. and uh, I think Chris was my fourth ever match. Wow! And it's out there somewhere on YouTube. If you look it up, Rocky Mountain Pro Wrestling 1992, PJ Walker versus Chris Jericho. Wow! Yes, he had long, big rock and roll hair, a lot, a lot thicker than it is today. <laughs> and I actually had hair um, in front of a hundred people. But anyways, he was my fourth ever match. But uh, to see Chris today and. The way he, man, you hear his music, I still get goosebumps. Mm. He is so over. And the way he's commanding AEW, it's just like it, they, they really have something special, especially with Jericho. Yeah. You know, and I, and, and at his age, and not, not to diss the age, because I'm old too. <laughs> well, bad word. But he's still doing it. He's still yeah. doing it at a high level. Well, he keeps reinventing himself. And you he's know, brilliant. He is. And brilliant. I mean, you've been, you know, you kind of went through a reinvention yourself, you know, with the help of Diamond Dallas Page. Yeah. Um, you know, how much did he help you kind of get out of what you were in? Uh, man, just uh, Dallas is one of those guys where he will he will call you no matter what time, no matter how busy he is. And he makes you accountable, and not to bust your balls, but he's like, literally, bro, what are you doing? Mm. You know, and you respect and love him, and he's like, he just cares about you. Yeah. He's like, you know, get, do this, you get up off your ass, come on, man. And he'll, you know, he'll talk to you for thirty minutes or thirty seconds, whatever you need, mm. and he'll give you that time, and it's amazing. I thought to myself at first, like, why is Dallas doing this for me? Like, I don't even know him that well. Yeah, and. Uh, He's just a very selfless guy, and I think he gets something out of it because I think he genuinely likes to help people. And it's not a work. I don't get nothing from, you know, I don't get nothing from saying that. But I think that's genuinely who Dallas Page is and um, just keeping me accountable. And, like, any time, like, he'll give you a call. Hey, man, how you doing? Checking in. What's yeah, up? Yeah, Almost like a sober buddy, you know. And I'm not always, I'm not going to say I'm perfect. I haven't done drugs in... I haven't. I was an opioid addict, heroin addict. Haven't done that in since 2011. But wow, congratulations. Thank you. But I have a problem with alcohol. Am I perfect? No. Do I drink every day? No. I'm trying. I'm working hard, mm-hmm. and it's not very easy all the time. I'm not going to lie to anybody. Yeah. And, and you know, and I'm. Nobody asked me this question. I'm being open because somehow that relieves me to to you know just to get it out there. But uh, I'm getting better, and I'm, you know, and having a purpose, like, you know, having people by your side and saying, like, dude, because the, the only reason I have a purpose is, like, I love what I do. Sure. Like, you love what you do. Yeah. This is, uh, being around these great people, you know, it gives you reason to, well, I want to wake up and train tomorrow. Yeah. I want to do better tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and that's what it's all about. Yeah. And I think that's, for me, for a long time, what was missing was... You know, and I kind of—it's like that Mickey Rourke and the wrestler. Like, you took, you took everything that we love away, and I think that was where the depression and the shit hit the fans. Sure. 
now that it's giving, coming back a little bit, it, it, you know, every day gets better. Why do you think alcohol is your vice? It's not my vice. Okay. Well, because, I, I, you know, I, I'm not going to buy illegal drugs. I don't have a doctor to take me. You know what I mean? Okay. You know, I have to take uh, urine tests. <laughs> so, you know, and you don't feel dirty having a, a couple of, you know what I mean? Sure. It's, it's more accepted. Like, I can't smoke pot, for example. Well, I know a lot of people. It's legal in a lot of places. Is this a probation thing? It's a probation yeah. thing, yeah. And even if it wasn't, I wouldn't do pills or anything of that nature. But, uh, you know, it's just if you're having a bad day, it's much easier to go to the liquor store and get some beer. or you know, have Hell, a you can go to the corner store. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and yeah. again, it's no justification whatsoever. But uh, it's just more, you, you don't feel dirty. Yeah. You're not doing a, a backdoor deal to get something you shouldn't. Sure. You know, and uh, I guess that's uh, the easiest way to, to kind of say it. Yeah, yeah. I, I know it sounds like it's a cop-out in some yeah. ways. But, it's you know, that's... You rationalize, you know. Yeah. Well, with with the opioids, at what point did you realize that there was a problem? Oh, man, that's a great... And I have a great answer. Uh, 2001, uh, after I signed with WWE, I had a couple weeks off. My, my son was turning one years old. Me, my mom, my wife, my dad, and my son went to Wildwood, uh, New Jersey, to the beach, to the boardwalk. And uh, we were getting ready to leave from Connecticut. It's about a four-hour ride. My wife says, hey, babe, uh, you don't have any more Vicodin. Do you uh, want me to call the doctor and get a refill? I'm like, no, I'm not wrestling. Mm. Don't need it. Seriously, legitimately as stupid and innocent as I could say. No, I'm not wrestling. I'm cool. Well, I get down there, you know, fine. First night, man, Jill, is it a little, my wife's name is Jill. It's a little hot in here. I can't sleep, man. Maybe it's the bed. A little nauseous, you know, man, take a shower, whatever. Then the next morning, you know, uh, diarrhea, a little vomiting. Third day, I'm starting to cry for no reason, getting very emotional and very sick. Fourth day, I was cracking. I was, like, shaking and shivering, couldn't sleep. Called my doctor. I'm like, Doc, what's wrong with me? I I don't know what's wrong. And uh, he goes, well, do you have your medication? I said, no. I just didn't feel. He goes, okay. Called it in. Took a couple pills. Wow. Normal. I wasn't even getting high anymore. I was just getting normal. Wow. And I didn't realize, wow, and then like light bulb, because I never was big into drugs. It was like light bulb, physical addiction. And I like every, a lot of people in a lot of professional sports, pro wrestling, whatever, you know, you get hurt and you're, you know, you got to keep going. Yeah. And they get, they used to give it to you. They don't anymore, thank God. Um, It's a lot more uh, restricted, but back then they just, just give it to you. And uh, it, it took me down a road. It took me down a real bad road. So that was 2001. Yeah. And you didn't get clean on that till 2011. So it was 10 years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It, was, it, was, it was a battle. It was a battle. And, uh, you know, and it was, every day was where you're going to get your name. You know, I was running uh, prescriptions from different doctors, different pharmacies. And what really happened when Chris Benoit happened mm-hmm. uh vincent sent out letters kind of to everybody and the doctors cut everybody off so then that's where i can't believe i'm saying this to everybody but that's when uh you know doctors cut people off and then then it's like well where am i going to i still got to go to work sure i'm going to be sick yeah and uh, you're buying it off of you know not the streets like you know on the corner but you know you might know john you know down the road that has something and once that dries up, uh, you know, one day somebody's like, well, you ever do heroin? 
Yeah. I'm like, no? Well, it's kind of like, uh, well, okay, I'm sick. And then went that way. Wow. And, uh, and thankfully, and again, I'm not trying to put WWE over, but through their recovery program, they, they put me in treatment. And, uh, you know, ever since, you know. But that, that was, you know. It was they, a, they, they took good care of that us. That was though. big for you, though, to go, I have a problem here. You called oh, up I WWE need, and I said, it. can you guys take care of me? I didn't want, I couldn't live like that anymore. Yeah. Not with that. And WWE, you know, they took care of everything. Yeah, they took care of everything. And, and, and more than once. Wow. More than once, because I went back to treatment for alcohol in 2017, and they took care of that as well. World-class places, too. So, How long know. are you actually in rehab for? I will, I've done uh, a couple stints, uh, 28 days. Okay. 28 days. And after 28 days, you're fine? You're well, no. Okay. No, it's, it's, you know, you, you got to do, they say to good, do meetings, mm-hmm. maybe a uh, therapy once a week. You know, it's, it's forever a struggle because when you, when you take drugs or alcohol to that level, your brain, brain chemistry is off. Sure. You know, uh, your dopamine, your endorphins, they're very low, even though you're not addicted physically, you're still lacking in, you know, you're, you're miserable, you're not happy and you don't know why. Yeah, yeah. And it's almost like a very much a, a, of a deep depression. Yeah. It takes sometimes a year yeah. to build that back up in your body. So uh, it, it was a very difficult time. It was yeah. really, really hard and trying to mask it. Well, a mask is not a good word, but uh, to hide it from the world yeah. out of shame, guilt, whatever, uh, you know, and you don't want to let anybody know. So you, you just try to truck along and get by any way you can. And you know? But your marriage withstood this, which oh, is yeah, married very impressive. To a beautiful wife for 23 years, man, since 1997, you know, wow. still going strong. Three beautiful kids. My oldest is a sophomore at Rutgers University. Wow. Congratulations. You know, and, uh, you know two other beautiful children uh, with her. And, uh, yeah, still going strong. Right, but it's great to see, you know, after hearing all of that, it's great to see where you're at now. Yeah, like I mean, you seem like you're in a great frame of mind now. I, I, I've realized now, especially the older I get, um, you know, all of this could be could be gone in a minute. And we're a very unique time in wrestling where there's so much out there for us. And again, it's what makes me happy. And I and, and my therapist has said this to me, too. You've got to look for other things to make. And of course, my family is my driving force. But, you know. I, we're driven people. We're uh, goal-oriented people. So, like, you know, you got to find stuff to go after. Yeah. So I got to just keep setting goals, whether they're in the business or outside the business, you know. And I just, right now, I just have a, a certain frame of mind where, you know, I only have a couple years left as an active performer. Mm-hmm. I just want to go out on my terms in a positive way. I don't want to waste a, a career in a negative light. Mm-hmm. You know, I just want to make this right. And, 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 and going forward, of course, not just for wrestling, but, uh, you know, for me, because it's something I hold so near and dear, I just want to make it right. Yeah. You know? Do you have a certain person that you want to have that final match with? No. No. I, I, well, I, if I could have a final match with anybody. Sure, it, anybody. It would, it would probably be Tommy Dreamer. Yeah. And, I, and it's, the funny thing is, and if he's listening and watching, we've already had this retirement match a couple <laughs> years ago in Sayreville, New Jersey. But uh, if there was anybody, it would be him. Do you still keep in touch with Polly, uh, Paul Heyman? I have not, no. I haven't talked. Unfor- unfor- not, not, there's no heat at all. No, uh, But, you know, he's a busy guy. And, you know, it's weird sometimes in this business, uh, there's so many of us, there's a disconnect, you know, and... Uh, 
I haven't talked to him probably in five or six years. While there's a disconnect, you sat at a table here with Raven, Sandman, Shane Douglas, Rhino. Yeah, those are the the guys. That was badass to see all you guys together. I mean, but when I see those guys, it's honestly like no time has passed. You know, I I wrestled Shane Douglas two weeks ago, so that's a little different. I see Shane quite a bit, Uh, but I haven't seen Raven in over a decade. Wow. I haven't seen Rhino in probably uh, the same amount of time. Mikey I see quite often. Again, it's a lot of it's locally where we live and do yeah. independent wrestling. But nonetheless, man, it's like when you see each other, it's like no time has passed. And mm. you love those people. There really is an honest, and especially with the ECW guys. And I've seen this, and everybody talks about it that's involved in it. You don't get it with the WWE. You don't get it with other groups, TNA. And I've worked for all of them. Um, something in ECW, those three, four years... Because it was almost like we were a band of brothers. Like, we were in this fight. Like, not a, you know, physical fight, but in this, we wanted to just make a mark. And, you know, that's something that only we know. Oh, yeah. And when we see each other, it's like, literally, you're your brother, your best friend, you know. And I love these guys, you know. I'm telling you, I've said this to Sandman. If we had, like, what we're doing right now. Yeah. If we put that in the car... (laughs) <laughs> and just for the conversations we have, yeah, just silly stories, funny stories. That, I, mean, I think you've a, got an idea. It's a reality show, dude. I, I've said that to people. No, nobody listens. Well, you can just put it on YouTube. I know. I got to get these knuckleheads to just, you know, put your put your yeah. phone at the front, hit record, and do your it, thing. It's amazing. It's just the stories, the silly yeah. stories, the the stories of Terry Funk and Sabu and. You know, and weird stories about hotel rooms and certain <laughs> groupies. I just all over the place. Sure. You know, I don't want to get too graphic, but, you know, just fun, crazy, yeah. rock and roll, ECW style stuff that I think would be gold. Those were the days. Yeah, and it were fun days. And, 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 you know, looking back, those were the best days. And I hate to, I hate to say that because I hope tomorrow will be better than today. But those were the best days of a lot of our lives, professionally at least. Professionally. But the crazy thing is... You've got another 40, 50, 60, 70 years in front of you yeah. to do and create whatever it is you want to do. Sure. Yeah. You know? Do you have ideas for what you want to do? I really, I really enjoy podcasting. Mm. Uh, and not necessarily uh, all in the pro wrestling field. Uh, I, I, you know Joe Rogan, of course. Yeah, probably, of course. I love the Joe Rogan podcast. And, uh, man, I, I just would love to have discourse and conversation about politics, society, music, art. I'm into so many diverse things. Yeah. Uh, I, how do you get, you know, because people want to talk about wrestling, and there are so many wrestling podcasts available. It's hard to uh, make a mark in that territory. Uh, I would just someday like to uh, find a little niche in that mm. and in other things, uh, you know. But uh, right now, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm still looking for it, though. That that part of my journey, I, I've not found yet. Yeah. Where, where, where my next uh part of life is going to be um you know somebody told me the other day and i think dallas said this to me too you'd be a great recovery coach if you can get your ass sober like because they say you shouldn't really do that stuff if you don't have a year i certainly sure. don't have a year hmm. that's true that's just honest to god but you could you know if you, I, if you I absolutely could. seriously sure but and, and i thought about that because my story is so unique yeah um, that I, and I Look what Mark Marrow is doing. Yeah, you know? and just hel- helping other people. And, uh, and, and, and um, the woman that I, I, I go to this center, um, you know, that helps me with that stuff. I go every two weeks. And she said, that would be something really good for you if you thought about it. And I was like, I never thought about that. And Dallas said it too. And I was like, oh, maybe somewhere down the line if, if you know, and I, I, you're not supposed to say it's going to happen, but you're supposed to say one day at a time because that's true. 
Right. You know, and hopefully uh, that, that, that comes to fruition. And, I, and if I want it to happen, it will come to fruition. If you chased after this with the same drive that you had to get into wrestling, sure. to get into WWE, then to get into ECW, become world champion, yeah. you can absolutely become the world champion of this, too. Absolutely. I, I, I feel that. It's, yeah. it's totally attainable. I just, uh, you know, I just got to stay focused. I really do, you yeah. know. And sometimes life kicks you in the ass, <laughs> you know, whether it's finances, whether it's, you know, whatever happens in life, you know, your car breaks down, you get it, you know, something happens, yeah. you know, sometimes those are those triggers that make you go, ah, but you know, yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Well, when you talk about, you know, arts and films and all that kind of stuff, are there certain, you know, books you're reading or stuff, stuff like that? Um, right now I'm, I'm reading, I like self-help books. Yeah. Right now I'm reading Tony Robbins, Awaken the Giant Within. That's a classic. Big self-help guy. I love that. Uh, and actually uh, Dallas sent me his book, Unstoppable. That book's incredible. Yeah, I haven't finished that yet. Uh, but, I, you know, and I love, uh, right now I'm watching The Irishman. I started, uh, it's a three and a half hour film. <laughs> yeah, it's a Scorsese, marathon, yeah. Scorsese, yeah, a Scorsese film with Pacino and De Niro. But I haven't got through that yet. Hopefully I get through that tonight. But uh, I, I'm just all over the place. I love music, man. I love music. I, and, I, and I'm actually doing a, uh, one thing real quick. I'm doing a Please. small independent promotion called Battlefront Pro Wrestling Extreme. Uh, we only run once every two months in Connecticut, and uh, I work with a band. They're, they're signed to a legitimate label uh, called Crossing Rubicon, and they actually did a video featuring me, a full-length uh, music video called Seeing Red. It's on YouTube. Super cool, shot professionally, and uh, we're, what, they're do what we're doing is we're doing five matches, and we're having bands play, but like real bands that are signed to deals and like you know local yeah play you know, the entrance themes yeah and like just oh, something that's, that's different cool. yeah something, we're just trying and again it's low budget but just something again like a passion project yeah something that's not you know it's not going to change the world but a local thing that we're just trying to do to, to to have some fun and see if it sticks yeah you know you're very much an entrepreneur You've, you know you're working I, for yourself I try, bro. yeah i really try uh you know and uh, that's all, you know, that's what pro wrestling has been for me my whole life. I've, I've, I've been, you know, self-employed. Yeah. You know, I've been my own business. So, yeah. uh, you know, yeah, I just, uh, you know, but, but also because I love what I do. Yeah. I, I love to create. And I love, because when it's right, there's nothing better in the world. Yeah. Like, even sitting here talking to you, I'm having a great time. Like, sometimes interviews are really, <laughs> are really painstaking. But I'm getting to, I feel like I'm getting to communicate to, to, not, to not just yourself, but to the people. Yeah. And you have a broad audience. Uh, my feelings, my life, and kind of where I've been. So, uh, you know, it's all positive. I, I think that, you know, there's a certain demographic that's watching this right now that hasn't seen you since either ECW right. or since WWE. Well, a lot of the kids, that's the whole thing, too. That's the biggest problem for me, I feel. And a lot of the us guys, uh, ECW has been long gone. The kids coming up today don't know it other than the WWE Network, if they so chose to go on and watch sure, ECW. Yeah. So you're really fighting an uphill battle yeah. to rebrand and somewhat reintroduce yourself yeah. to this the young, you know, the millennials. Well, let, let's help them out, you know, for the ECW fans that are watching or yes. for the people who maybe want to tune into some ECW. Sure. What is the greatest Just Incredible match of all time? Uh, wow, that's a handful. I'll, I'll give you two and okay. I'll do them quick. Um, me and Sabu, Anarchy Rules, 1999, Chicago, Illinois. Mm -hmm. That was one of my favorites. Incredible. And, um, and Jerry Lynn's going to get mad at me. But another <laughs> one was me and Shane Douglas, yeah. uh, 1998, from the ECW arena. Now, what is the greatest ECW pay-per-view of all time? 
Heatwave uh, Heat Wave 97. I think that's Dayton, the correct Dayton, Ohio, answer. Dayton, Ohio. And, Jerry, and that's why Jerry Lynn's going to get <laughs> mad at me because Jerry Lynn and I were the opening match. And we were just in uh, Dayton, Ohio a couple of days ago, and uh, the arena we, we were sold out was the old Harrow Arena, which they tore down this year. Um, but uh, it was it was just top to bottom. I feel like that's what every ECW yeah. fan says. So yeah. to hear you say yeah. that that yeah. was your it favorite was just special too. for me. And those were those are my bucket. And you know, I hate to say that because like I never have any WWF stuff in there. It's like <laughs> almost like I can't. You know, I burned out early. It's like I was 25, 26 when I was having those matches. Right. You know, so it's kind of like man, I, you know, Ugh. but anyways. Whose idea was it for Aldo Montoya to have a what you had in your face? Um, well, uh, originally, the the reason I, they even offered me the Aldo job was I lived in Connecticut, and the office is in Stanford. Sure. And I was doing jobs, and uh, I was, you know, good at what I did. Uh, Brian Lee was coming in to do the faker-taker gimmick, and they didn't have a, a, a performance center at the time. They just had a ring set up in the their old uh, warehouse, and I literally, uh, they hired me for five days to go work with Brian Lee and Mark Undertaker uh, to do the fake Undertakers. I was just basically a crash test dummy. Okay. Well, on Friday, dress rehears- full dress rehearsals, Vince McMahon and Pat Patterson came down. So it was just us, a couple guys, you know, four or five guys uh, going through the motions. And then Pat Patterson, you know, it all went very well. And I was going to wrestle him live on Raw the next week. Um, and Vince and Pat started asking me questions like, who trained you? I was like, well, the hearts. Mm. Really? Brett was there. Owen was there. You know, yeah, there was yeah. connection. <clears throat> what language are you? know, what nationality are you? I'm Portuguese, sir. Portuguese? Really? Do you speak it? I'm like, well, yes, sir, I do. Oh, they popped. The whole time they were looking for a Portuguese character because business was bad in America. Huh. So they wanted to go overseas to Portugal, but also Brazil, because Brazil is 75% of South America, and that's what they speak. And the... Aldo Montoya, nobody, a lot of people don't know this, was originally sketched by Creative as a soccer player because the World Cup was around in wow. 95. Okay. So Aldo was supposed to be a soccer player. And then they scratched <laughs> out and made me look like a... And if you saw the original Aldo, it look, I looked like I had Road Warrior shoulder pads. Okay. Like a badass Adonis. And when they handed me that stuff two hours before I went out there on Raw oh, for no. my debut, it looked nothing like it. Oh, no. But nonetheless, uh, it was a great opportunity. and uh, You brought it back recently, didn't you? Well, just as uh, just to do a retro thing. Yeah, you know, yeah. Because people ask, and uh, you know, not to do it in a serious manner, but almost in a tongue-in-cheek way. Sure, yeah. You know what I mean? That's how it's wrestling like, is now. You know, hey, why not? I haven't done it yet, believe it or not. Nobody's 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 actually wanted me to do it, but I have a couple T-shirts out on Pro Wrestling Tees, and you know, hey, if somebody wants to do it, I'll throw. I, I have it with me today. So you know, just again, if somebody wants to take a picture, why not, dude? You know, just again, trying to just stay out there and do something different. Uh, I want to say, <laughs> I know it's a great note to end on, though. I, I want to say thank you for taking the time to do oh, this. Thank you, sir. I appreciate PJ, it. PJ, so we'd been we'd been texting for a while to make yeah. this happen. Yeah. And now we're in the same place at the same time. So. It's awesome. Couldn't have worked out better. And I'm so grateful. Thank you for having me on your show, man. Of course. And, uh, you know, where can people find you? Um, on Twitter at PJ Polacco. Also on Instagram. Same thing at PJ Polacco. And uh, I got a great YouTube channel with uh, 
great instructional videos called Pro Wrestling 101. Mm -hmm. Just go to YouTube and put that in the search engine. And um, that's pretty much And then it. your podcast, too. And then my podcast with Vince Podcasts. Russo. Well, podcast, yes. yes. Uh, uh, I Hate This Podcast is uh, Apple, I iTunes, that whole thing. And uh, Vince Russo's podcast, uh, Talking Elite, is uh, patreon.com backslash Russo TWC. Um, and that's pretty much it. it. It's just great to see where you're at now, Thank knowing you, you know where you were, yeah. you know, ten-ish years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful, man. I'm, I'm grateful to be here, and you know, Winston Salem is a great. T it's like a high school reunion to be around all these great guys and yeah. seeing your friends, and you know, now I got to wrestle in a couple of minutes. So <laughs> that, that's another one. <laughs> but I, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chris. It was my pleasure. No, sir. appreciate you. Thank you so much. Well, there you go. Just incredible, ladies and gentlemen. And if you're an ECW fan like I was, I know how much you must have enjoyed this chat. Uh, give PJ some love on social media. Check out both of his podcasts. And uh, I, I really hope that he's able to accomplish everything it is that he lays out for himself in 2020, both personally and professionally. And once again, a, a huge thank you to just incredible PJ, whatever you want to call him for being as open, as honest as he was here. And I, I love that his love for the business just oozes through in absolutely everything that he says and every single story that he tells there. So uh, if you enjoyed this, please take a screenshot, tag me, tag PJ, let us know uh, what you thought about this one. And uh, man, I'm just so glad we were able to make this happen. We had messaged back and forth for like six months uh, trying to make this happen. So I'm so glad that this conversation happened. And, and, and it almost didn't happen. It almost didn't happen at WrestleCade. I saw him. I spoke with him. And we went about our business for the rest of the day at the convention. And then when I reached out to him, he's like, oh, man, I just left. But I will turn around and come back there and make this interview happen. So, PJ, thank you. Thank you for making this happen. And I, I kind of said this in passing in the last episode, but a lot of you tweeted me about it and quoted this. So I'm going to put out there again and in like a more official term. It's a quote from Tony Robbins. And he says, the quality of your life is the quality of the questions you ask. So you want a better life? Start asking better questions. I'm going to try to ask better questions in 2020 as well. So I'm so pumped for uh, the last few weeks here of 2019. I hope that you make the best of those weeks uh, as well. And uh, man, 2020 is just around the corner. Let's make 2020 the biggest and the best year yet. Woo. I'll see you next Thursday.